0: Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Will Chernoff, and you're listening to the Rhythm Changes podcast, a home for creative, improvising, local music people. This show is an ongoing, open-ended series of conversations with musicians and all sorts of people who make this community fun and prosperous. Stick around, get to know each guest and learn from their creative experiences. If you want to find more interviews and go deeper into the music itself, including album reviews and playlists, come join us at our website, rhythmchanges.ca. Our guest today is a singer-songwriter whose catalog has surpassed 15,000 streams on Spotify alone so far and includes 15 singles. She exemplifies something important about today's music industry because she has learned skill by skill how to record songs by herself from start to finish. She's a graduate of McGill University in Montreal, having studied music there, but she grew up here in B.C. Her next collection of music is still in the works but if her cover song repertoire is any indication it'll have classic reference points like Fleetwood Mac, Bruce Springsteen and Joni Mitchell. Online, she's on Instagram at lena.lena. You can subscribe to her YouTube channel, visit lena.com and stream her music anywhere. We welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Lena.
1: Oh, hello. So nice. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. It's it's a sunny day beautiful day. <laughs> and I'm doing a podcast. I'm wearing, actually, I'm wearing a podcast swag shirt. Like there's a website called Pod Swag where you can buy podcast merch. <laughs> and I'm wearing a Pod Swag t-shirt for the podcast. Are you talking R.E.M. <laughs> Which is Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman, the double Scots, just talking about R-E-M. <laughs>
0: Sounds like I can learn a thing or two from you about this and you can help me get set up on there too. (laughs) Yes. What have you learned about making all these singles from the first one you did a year or two ago till now?
1: Well, definitely like recording. Like it's really good to have a system for recording. Much like photography is like this too with editing. Like you need to like kind of have a process. Otherwise you're going to spend hours and hours and hours. Um, Really important to learn your songs before you're in in the box. And it's also, like, what was very upsetting at first um, was, like, it's shocking how uh, revealing the the microphone is (laughs) on the voce, especially your pitch. And it was, like, okay, I really have to focus. I can't just be, like, live where it's, like, very forgiving and everyone's, like, just hyped and you can just kind of let your... I think like live you're supposed to be more just like in it and not like thinking as technically. But I feel like in the box, like I, I really have to think technically about recording my voice and what it sounds like and but also like having to perform for the microphone, which I didn't expect because otherwise I sound kind of bland and sad and and stuff. Um <laughs> well not sad, I that would be a good thing. People people like emotion recording myself has gotten me to like tighten up everything
0: can you talk a little bit more about that interesting concept of performing for the microphone
1: i can like really hear it now that i've started to do it i really like i can really hear especially with an like phoebe bridgers i listen to her a lot for production i think that she has like an amazing team of people. Phoebe Bridgers does a really good job of acting for the microphone because you just like can't get certain sounds out of your mouth. If you're focusing too much on the vocal region um, of your body, like where the voice box is and everything, if you're like just focusing on your like how to get the perfect sound out um, and you're not like feeling it a little bit with your body, like you can be very tense and it can sound quite I think it's like harder. It feels uncomfortable. Like, I think it's like really good for your body and therefore like affects your pitch and your support and everything to be like, kind of do, you know, have little dance breaks and stuff.
0: (laughs) It's a lot that you've picked up and it doesn't come easy. It's like the school of hard knocks, but kind of on your own, you know, like not going out there in the world and messing up all the time, but it's like you're messing up alone mm-hmm. and learning from it so
1: alone <laughs> <laughs> i get stressed with i have like no i don't really have any followers or anything i have to like let go of this feeling that i'm like being watched and judged when I, when i release stuff and stuff like that and some people are like i'm paying a marketing team and a whole swath of people to be involved in this project that i have never done like a dry run on before. I've never just like made something on my own and see how how it goes. And I find often people are putting a lot of money into something that isn't as good as what they could have done if they had been learning and working on their own for a little while. (laughs) So yeah, I'm incredibly thankful to have been doing it alone. But I have Jesse also like validating me sometimes when I'm like, this sounds like a bunch of noise. It's not a song to me anymore.
0: <laughs> do you include photography in the arts?
1: Yes, I do. I think anyone can be a photographer these days because the gear is so accessibly priced to get like a really high quality image with little effort. And like, anyone can be a photographer. But I think what sets certain people apart is they pursuing of photography as an art. <laughs> I think some people are trying to do that and are maybe like going with certain trends. I see that a lot. I don't really call that art because it it's often just what a bunch of other artists are doing. But yes, I would consider it to be, it can be an art. I also feel like, you know, music doesn't always have to be an art. It can be like, like a jingle. Are jingles art? I mean, they can be art, I guess.
0: <laughs> I'm going to say that they are, because there's new genres of music that sample old stuff for its nostalgia value. Jingles have got to be part of that. And if they're part of that, then that means they had to have been art in the first place. Maybe. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think like, (laughs) I thought of like the most mid-2000s example of, like, sampling older music, which is, like, Rihanna has a song where it goes, like, yeah, 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 like, (laughs) like that, and that is, like, a direct pull from an Avril Lavigne song, (laughs) Um, which is, like, really not, like, the most classic example of what you're talking about but for me it's pretty classic because Avril Lavigne and Rihanna (laughs) but uh yeah no I, I agree I think it's uh like repurposing stuff
0: so you're a photographer you've shot photos for me and I really enjoyed doing that and they turned out great you're also a musician and you're doing other creative work now so what did photography teach you about the other creative work you do now
1: I feel like photography taught me to follow my instincts. I think it's a really good thing as a musician, of course, to have something that's special about your music and your character and everything that like stands out. And I think in photography, it also helps nowadays. When people really like my work, they like really like my work for photography and they're like, oh, I found you on Instagram and I'm like not thinking about hiring anyone else. Like, how can I hire you kind of thing? And I find that my images also like don't look like other people's images often. Like, I definitely really like, and I try and emulate certain photographers sometimes, their editing styles. But it's also like, really, the editing part of photography in Lightroom is, I find, is really similar to audio mixing. Like, there's a parametric EQ, you know, that's like decibel levels on one side, and then the, um, yeah, frequency, that's the word. I was like, the word. (laughs) Anyway, I find it's really similar to the way you edit in Lightroom how like you have like this little curve thing and you're kind of making points along the curve to like kind of map out the light levels in the image. That's just kind of like a fun parallel. I haven't really like, it's not like it's taught me much about doing either, (laughs) but it is kind of like interesting how similar I do find photography to music is that anyone can like learn an instrument and anyone can take a really nice properly exposed photo, but it's good to like be yourself and follow your instincts.
0: What's the best way for somebody to discover their ideal vocal range?
1: Oh. Oh, Canada. I used to sing Oh, Canada in D. I'm pretty sure the last big note, like, Oh, Canada is like the top of the octave of the song, maybe. It's very revealing. Some people are um, like multi-voice parts, like (laughs) Jesse. Jesse has a uh, beautiful falsetto and he also has a nice gravelly bass. And like, I feel like you also have quite a wide vocal range. I've heard you sing multiple different voice parts with early spirit and stuff. But yeah, O Canada or like any kind of traditional song like Danny Boy, truly like American folk music, kind of like Shenandoah, those kind of ones often have like really big leaps in them and they're really straight and you can just kind of figure out what feels the most comfortable.
0: So you're a singer now that drives most of your music. You're also accompanying yourself on guitar, et cetera. But we go way back because we both grew up in the same area in Metro Vancouver. And you were playing trumpet a lot when you were younger. So what actually made you a singer? Because I don't really know how that unfolded.
1: My mom was kind of an amateur like she would get paid to do like a wedding or something every once in a while like she really but she really loved to sing and she went to school for that so it's the classic story there was always some Ella Fitzgerald playing around (laughs) in the kitchen and I was very passionate about like singing like in my private time and I had taking piano lessons and quit because I wouldn't practice and done some like little early music classes, um, but singing on my own was huge. Um, like singing like by myself, I wasn't like sometimes with my best friends. Um, I would be like, okay, we're gonna sing, we're gonna like play around, and I remember. When I was in grade three, there was a kid's version of American Idol that had just come out. This was like peak American Idol. It's like Reuben Stoddard and Clay Aiken like facing off <laughs> on the worldwide stage, which is amazing to remember. But yeah, anyway, there was like a kid's American Idol. And I was like... Oh. If, like, I, I just couldn't, there was no auditions nearby. Like, I knew my parents probably would have been like, okay, but like, we'll bring you to the audition or whatever. But like, it was also like insane. It was such a weird thing to watch, like thinking back about how fake it all was and stuff. But anyway, so uh, how I actually really started getting into singing... Was Miss um, Prosnick. Uh, she was like running the musical, Bye Bye Birdie, and I auditioned. I sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and it was like probably really flat, but like I had nice tone, <laughs> which was how I used to really be when I was a teen. So there's a video of me doing Sir Duke with Simon that I've watched. It's on Facebook still, probably somewhere, and I am literally so incredibly flat. It's like did, did it take me all over It's like the worst. And like Simon is all like breathy and weird and like teen and it's such a silly oh it's beautiful. But anyway, so Miss Prosnick saw my audition and it happened to be for Bye Bye Birdie that Mr. Clements, recruited me into the Pip Band, which was actually like a huge blast. It was a really fun band, and I was really happy to be in the band. But Miss Prozik had just seen my audition, and she was starting a chamber choir. So she was like, I need altos and people that can like do harmonies, and I know that you're good. So me and she recruited a couple of my friends as well. She recruited <laughs> us in the hallway, cornered us, and was like, join choir. It was really cute. And then I just fell in love in choir. I really got into choir I was like a choral music nerd as well. I was always, I was one of those kids that was requesting to do Butterfly by Rioton. Then I got a little solo or two and I was like, ooh, this is even better. (laughs) Um, I got my first solo in grade 12 and I was so excited Um, with like someone to watch over me. I was just like, it's finally happening and then I got the vocal jazz solo um as well the like Ella Fitzgerald kind of lift thing that we did and it was incredibly fun and I had like I was just like in my element (laughs) it was like the highlight like if I hadn't had band and stuff I was like a pretty unhappy teen I was obsessed with band and I would practice singing like fairly frequently but trumpet I don't think I practiced past grade ten outside of class, but yeah. And then uh, at McGill, I kind of fell out of the jazz world, even though I was in the jazz program, because I just didn't want to scat. I just like wasn't inspired by improvising in that way, and instead that drove me to a cappella, <laughs> which was really fun and taught me a lot about arranging, and that was really great. And I wasn't ever actually pursuing original music, like at all. I was just like, that's not for me. I'm like, not a songwriter. I can't write songs. I wrote a few, a few songs and I was like in grade nine that are absolute dog vomit. Um, <laughs> and I don't think I'll ever be a songwriter. Like, and then like when Jesse and I started dating, I just like started writing songs. Like a huge thing actually though was learning guitar. Like I didn't have a primary instrument for all of this. And now guitar has like really unlocked music writing because there's also a thing about like functional theory in playing a like accompanying instrument. If you're just singing, like I think this is why singers often have a lot of trouble with theory. Like I knew like other singers that also were struggling with theory is because you never really have to apply it if you have a really good ear. (laughs) I'm just going to be blunt, but if you can scrape by, you're like, like I knew some people that whose theory was way worse than mine, but they had just beautiful voices and were scraping by with like the skin of their teeth and just so stressed out all the time because they're like failing theory but have a beautiful voice. (laughs) It's just like this tragic story. And I was like kind of one of those people, like I was like scraping by in theory and stuff. But now that I'm like, Playing it on guitar, I'm like, oh, I've just been able to memorize like a full jazz standard, like Sunday My Prince Will Come, for example, which before I could not dream of. I would be like in a test writing down like, I think it was like Green Dolphin Street. We were supposed to like memorize and be able to like reproduce and make like this little song map. Oh, and I was like in, I was like having a panic attack. I was like, this is loose. I know there's two fives, (laughs) but yeah. And then, um, ever since Jesse got me to squeeze out a song, I've been doing, uh, that sounds so gross. Squeeze out a song. (laughs) Um, I've been very, very much in love with, uh, expressing myself in that way and, uh, very inspired to keep doing it.
0: So your partner, Jesse Daniel Smith, I enjoy his music absolutely in addition to yours. And you've talked a little bit about how he inspired what you were doing. But I'm curious, now that you've been collaborating directly on each other's music more, what are some of the things you've learned from him and what might he have learned from you?
1: Hmm. I can't attest to what he's learned from me. I mean, I definitely think it's... I will push him, and therefore he learns because he's working with me, I'll ask him to do a, like, you know, Celine Dion's version of Drove All Night? Like, I I drove all night! Um, <laughs> that song inspired me to do a cover of a Keith Urban, like, country pop hit in the style of Celine Dion's I Drove All Night. That was, like, my number one inspo. And, of course, Jesse is, like, a beautiful folk musician. Um, so he was like learning all about like 808s and like all the elements that go into a, uh, a high speed, high octane pop tune. And then also like the song by Keith Urban is like a little goofy. and It's just like a Keith Urban song that he doesn't know from Adam. So I think like that probably pushes him to like learn as much as he can about like so many different things. Like I also like my song R Street, for example, was like more of like a neo soul almost like from what I've learned from Jesse. Oh my God. I could like, I write a very long list of the things that he's taught me because he basically like with playing guitar, like, I don't know. I really like, I had a firm idea that I couldn't learn to play and sing guitar because of my experience um, in lessons growing up. So Jesse like basically got me into Open D, which was very easy and it was very easy to kind of just flounder around and you can play almost like any song in Open D like with the shapes that are available. So yeah, Jesse kind of like opened my world back up to the possibility of playing guitar while singing and now like I do it every day. Jesse really got me to like just like be more confident in my uh, music ability and that led me to get back on the guitar and which has completely like changed my world and like that is literally 10% of what Jesse has taught me because he also taught me caged within guitar which is the absolute best because I can finally like play jazz chords which is like so fun before, I just could not get the jazz songs to sound right. Like, you can't just, <laughs> you can't just fake it with some of the jazz st- songs that I want to play. It just doesn't happen. And then all this stuff about audio, like, I almost understand compression because of Jesse. Um, <laughs> I'm almost there. So, and I'm sure he'll continue to, even though sometimes I'm a, I'm a bad student, I'm, like, really, like, not able to focus on what he's saying <laughs> uh, with audio. He's a really great teacher.
0: So let's step out of the studio and out into the city now. You did this timeline, which I'm pretty sure is all correct, because I've seen it along the way. You grew up here where I'm living right now in the Vancouver area. Then for university, you went to McGill. So you went to Montreal. You were living there for several years. Then recently, you came back to BC with Jesse for two years. But now you're back in Montreal. What's different About how you will approach Montreal now that you're back.
1: Now that we're back in Montreal, it's really nice to be honest, like just to have our own space. Like uh, living, we were living at my parents' because they were graciously allowing us to. use one of their old rooms in the basement as a studio. So like, that was really cool to just like have a room dedicated to music for the first time ever. Um, but it also was really tough with, for adults to like navigate the kitchen that we were all sharing and the laundry that I was like solely responsible for. Um, so like we have like this tiny little apartment in Montreal. It is literally so small. Like And also we have um, a lot of street noise here, which I didn't expect. So that's kind of adding like a new vibe to our music. Um, You know, nothing is free. We have all this like independent space, but we're also like on like one of the busiest streets of Montreal. We're like right on Park Avenue. We're like super thankful to have our own space and we're just learning more and more. Every time we get a new challenge for audio, we're like, you know, we just learn more with it.
0: (laughs) What's your living radius like out there in montreal like what are some of the places you go to hang out at and do out in the city around where you live right now oh
1: boy well we are like we are so blessed with our neighborhood like i am gonna say hands down the mile end has been the nicest living experience i've like ever had it is so We have everything so close to us. We have PA Grocery Store, just to name drop. (laughs) Shout out to PA. Um, (laughs) And we have uh, two different coffee shops within exactly 350 meters of us which are the same like branch there's like three locations and two of them are within 350 meters of us so like the whole time we were in vc we're complaining so hard about like walking 40 minutes to old crow being like oh in montreal it's gonna be so nice we're gonna have cafes and it's truly like it has more than delivered it's like there is literally like and there's not even like if we really needed to there's a coffee shop like up the street that looks really nice that has like proper lattes and everything so um but yeah we're like up the street from resonance as well um which i'm sure you know about down the street i've been to a show already at ursa martha wainwright's new venue and one of my friends was playing there and i took some photos and it was really pretty they have like a terrace and stuff montreal is like the capital of terrace terrasses so they're like um these beautiful like outdoor decks that are just everywhere and there, are jesse and i've had beers at dieu de ciel's terrace and have you been to dieu de Ciel?
0: No, I've only bought their beer in bottles. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's so good, though. I love it. So, yeah, and also Nantel Music is our new... We even have, like, a music store that's within walking distance. Like, I cannot believe how convenient it is to live in our neighborhood, and we are, like, forever thankful to the people that got us this apartment because there is a vacancy crisis in Montreal. We're super thankful.
0: What else can you tell me about the Montreal music scene as a lifelong BC resident?
1: There's a lot going on. There's, like, people of all different genres, and there's people of all different, like, levels. There's a really strong, like, open mic community here. There's people that very clearly just doing it for fun somebody will go up and like do like a disney cover or something like that <laughs> and like it won't be the best but everyone's like super supportive and like woo, we're here to open the mic and then there's of course the most intricate composer community mcgill has like an electroacoustic composition program and stuff so there's literally like anything you can possibly think of it's such also such a melting pot of cultures, you know, we have everything, so many different types of people here too. There was at URSA, there was Indian traditional music last week, (laughs) you know, just there's a lot of festivals as well. There's right now there's Mural. I guess it's the mural festival, but there's a lot of performances and just fun music things and DJs and that kind of stuff. And there's Pop Montreal that's going on, which is a really big festival that I guess it's pop, but there's a decent amount of folk and other genres that are mixed in there. There's so many musicians in Montreal. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if that's sometimes a bad thing for the community or a good thing. I guess it's a good thing because there is always stuff going on, but also sometimes it feels like everywhere is full. (laughs) Honestly, why I'm back on Instagram um, is just to like keep up to date with the scene and everything. Like So much of the communication seems to go through instagram and i kind of just want to like be part of the community know what's going on
0: i want to start doing youtube and you've done a bit of youtube so what have you learned about using that platform
1: (laughs) youtube is sacred and we should try and protect youtube at all costs because to me it is one of the it's one of the least affected by time like social media platforms it's still got like creators that are really making like unfiltered content like creative works and stuff like that things are actually organically discovered like i had a version of and like it's not that many plays but for me because i hadn't had any really it it is kind of like oh that's really interesting to note that um my cover of forever by pete drake the vocoder guy that one just all of a sudden has like a thousand plays and it has a bunch of like random people coming in and commenting and it just it started like a couple months ago and i put that song out last winter and from what i've learned from jesse who was basically like a 2010s like youtube star (laughs) um, he also has said that like random videos will just like suddenly go up in views. So I think that probably comes from, you know, somebody finds it and likes it so much that they share it. And YouTube is such a shareable format for music content in particular. The platform itself doesn't restrict your content as much as other platforms like Instagram or TikTok. You can put up an hour long concert and you can also have all these fun little customized things you can watch it double time. If you're listening to like an audiobook or something like that on YouTube, which you can do now, you can like rent stuff. I'm like, I love YouTube. <laughs> um, and I think it's like really great for musicians. And I have been like moving has been very, very time consuming. So I haven't, and also we haven't really had like a proper space set up, but like I need to do more YouTube videos because it's the best way I find to like make content for yourself that like is both promotion because you're putting it out there but also you get to like work on stuff and you get to record something that you can release and you get to like make a song and arrange something you know
0: that's funny that you mentioned the pete drake video because you've also had that april cover video i thought you were going to mention that
1: so april was not fully organic that's why the guy that runs this cover series that April was made for is like adorable. He's like the most wholesome person. He, April was really interesting actually. Like I was seeing this cover series that looked nicely produced and I liked one of the covers that was on it. And I was like, hey, like do you, I was just like making YouTube videos at that point. So I was like, okay. Can I apply for this? (laughs) And he's like, "Well, we usually don't accept submissions, but we actually currently are looking for somebody from Canada because they were trying to like pick somebody from like all sorts of countries and stuff." He was like, "I like you and Jesse's work, and here's a list of songs, which is also super helpful." He was like, "Took the time." He's he runs like parties and music-based parties with like DJs that are like well-known and that kind of stuff, and like he'll also have concerts with like rappers and stuff like that in, in LA. He was, like, just super passionate about it. He was like, yeah, we're just doing this cover series. I think it's going to be great marketing that also, like, benefits the community. And I was like, "Yes! Yeah, like, this is so awesome. And he, like, gave us a list of songs that he thought would work. And I was like, I love all of these. Thank you for narrowing it down also, because people are so vague about everything. He, like, gushed at us about, like, how much he liked it. And we were like, yay. And then it got, like, a ton of views on their channel because he just has, like, a huge audience of people that are following what he's up to because he's like a party dude serving the community (laughs) with good times so yeah anyway youtube is great and april is also really fun beach bunny is a really great band and everyone should listen to them
0: (laughs) so i know you told me when i asked you to come on that you're working on another batch of stuff that you can release as singles or maybe even a longer project. So just describe what you're working on to whatever extent, you know, so far, what you want it to be. And also, what would it mean to you for it to be a successful release?
1: Yeah, I have a few songs that I've been working, some of them I've been like writing, kind of like half writing for like almost a year and a half. (laughs) I was thinking, this is like all unconfirmed. Also, I don't know actually what I'm going to be doing. But I do know that I have about eight songs that could go into an EP or something like that. Or like, is that called a record at eight songs? I don't know. I think like, I've been taking most of this moving time and like unstable recording space time. The street noise is really a problem. So we're I'm actually thinking about just postponing all of the recording of this stuff to the fall when we can take out our air conditioner <laughs> and close the windows. But yeah, I'm working on some stuff right now that's a little more like indie, folk rock inspired. I've been listening to this artist called Lamelda, who I absolutely love. It's L-O-M-E-L-D-A. She's just like a really solid kind of nostalgic but also has a bit of that like it's not like a lo-fi thing it has almost a bit of that like Blake Millsy kind of woody really nice production on it. RIP for Jesse trying to like match stuff that I gave him that's like recorded in the most beautiful studios of all time. He does an amazing job with the situation that we're in. I mean, my songs are literally always about anxiety and like childhood trauma. I have actually one song about my grandmother, mainly because her name is really nice, Henrietta. And I have a couple other originals that I've been working on for a while. And I'm literally like always halfway through a song. I often have this like anxious feeling like, oh, I'm not writing enough music. And then I like go to my notes and there's a bunch of random like verses or things. Like I love Phoebe Bridgers has, she said that she has like a notes folder called um, emo tweets. (laughs) And yeah, I have, I have my own emo tweets. I don't call it that. It's actually completely unorganized and I have to go through and like sift through grocery lists. And sometimes like recently I've managed to form a few songs, by taking verses and applying them to a chorus I had written that didn't have verses or vice versa. So yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. I'm hoping like to also record some Christmas songs. I say that literally every fall, and it's always... December 1st and I'm putting it into distro and it's oh I hope it like makes it through before Christmas or whatever the heck. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah I'm a huge Paul McCartney fan so I was hoping to do it with Jesse like wonderful Christmas time and <laughs> do one <of> that one. <laughs> but yeah I'm also working like I literally have so many things that I'm trying to do at once and I should probably like pick one and focus on it because I'm also arranging right now some folky covers of musical theater songs, like Sondheim songs. I was going to do just Sondheim songs and call it Songheims and make it like a four or five song EP of just like Stephen Sondheim musical songs and just like be the most niche person ever. (laughs) But you know what? Sometimes finding a niche is like a really good thing. Like I have a friend and they do like piano covers, like really beautiful soft Piano covers of like punk songs and metal and rock songs and stuff like that. And I like absolutely love it. It's like she's doing like Nirvana, like super like dark and like piano-y and stuff. And I'm like, hell yeah. So um yeah, I might like dive into the niche and do the uh the Sondheim record too. So yeah, several things at once. Several things at once.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to to hearing that because I've enjoyed everything that you've put out so far for sure if everything continues to build the way that you want it that you're working on right now where do you want to be at once it's blown up to its full potential and what what does that look like what are you able to turn it into
1: I know that we the only thing I can probably speak to 100% accurately for both of us is that we try not to think about, like, what we want from our music creating. And we're actively trying to, I will answer your question, but usually we are actively trying to not worry about the outcome of releasing things. But, of course, we do talk about, like, how awesome it would be to do certain things. All I've ever really wanted to do, especially when I reflect back on, as a child like what i was drawn to is just play and sing. be able to just keep doing that and the thing is the thing that we often like remind ourselves is that like you know what like we can make music like we don't need to have like we are because we can make our own stuff i can just go start making a song right now like i don't have to book a studio session and pay for that um that's why i like really encourage people especially when they're getting started to buy their own gear or finance it because like it's so much cheaper even if you can just do like your stems and then you send your stems to somebody it's so valuable to also like be recording yourself and that kind of thing yeah we would i think a really great situation for us would just to be to be working in our own original music as much as we feel like we can handle <laughs> I would love to be you know like recording releasing albums like selling out soft seat theaters um (laughs) um you know it's just it's all we've ever really wanted to do it seems but also i will say though like i think we don't have to but it's not like we will take any opportunity to get that we're not looking for like buying our way in or like Get, like, getting horrible deals just to, like, get in the same room as people and that kind of stuff. Like, thankfully, we don't have to because we are able to make our own stuff and the internet exists. I think that would be, that'd be nice to just keep playing music and not have to, like, I do love weddings because it's very, like, photography, I mean. Like, I do like photography, but I don't like having to seek it out for money. Photography is another thing that would be nice to just do photos for people for fun, you know? <laughs> like I don't necessarily want to be seeking out um do like I would do somebody's wedding. Like if I was like a famous musician and somebody was like, I actually love your photos though. Would you come to my wedding? I would be like, sure, of course. Um <laughs> because it would be beautiful and fun, just like here are my terms, blah blah blah. So I do like photography, but I also pursuing stuff for money kind of taints it, I think.
0: Yeah. When I've thought about, you know, what do you see happening next in your career? I thought about performing and the kind of performing I had been doing. And one of the silver linings for me in the last two years was that I didn't just have to do so much performing all the time. I could actually think about what kind I wanted to do.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. I, I feel like performing would... I like haven't done enough performing at all. I think like you were at the last performance that I did right before COVID. And that was like the worst performance experience I've ever had. But it was also like part of my, part of my dues. I was paying my dues. I was like so stressed at how bad that was. <laughs> and, but it definitely was like, okay, you have to do a lot more open mics. Cause you can't, your fingers can't just like freeze while you're playing i picked like two now like thinking back with like practice and playing guitar for so long well not so long but like playing guitar for longer now i'm like wow you picked like not easy songs to play in front of everybody also i picked like cheryl Crow's i'm strong enough and helplessly hoping all which have their own particular non-standard picking patterns challenging to sing but i was like you know what it's my first show i'm gonna push myself
0: yeah i mean for a first show i would say that was pretty good what you did thank you
1: (laughs) appreciate it
0: <laughs> I want you to know that I really enjoy the way that you and Jesse do this stuff and how you've approached it and I often tell other people who are curious about what to do next about you guys as kind of a model for how I think it should be done Nice. Thank so you. <laughs> I enjoyed hearing more about that from you today thanks so much for taking the time
1: yeah of course that was awesome
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you haven't followed the feed yet, make sure you do. And think about your friends who might enjoy listening too. Tell them to search for the Rhythm Changes podcast wherever they get their podcasts. If you want more from us, visit our website, rhythmchanges.ca. The Rhythm Changes podcast is a churnoff Music production. Copyright 2021 Chernoff Music.